This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. (sighs) All right, let's pick it up. W-R-N-R-A. East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? You went to the Moondog Coronation Ball in Cleveland in 1952? Wow, that's cool. That's the first rock and roll concert. No offense, but I didn't know you were that old. What do you mean you're old enough to know better than to waste your life listening to shitty rock and roll podcasts? Get the hell out of here. All right, buckle up, gang. M-O-O-N. That spells rock and roll autopsy. We've got a moon-themed episode featuring Roger Waters' controversial remake of The Dark Side of the Moon and an interview with Paige Gregory, founder of Moonlit Rock Hall. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. What's up, music nerds? Are you tired of wading through a sea of mediocre music, desperately seeking to find a glimmer of greatness? You're in luck. My name is Mark, and I am the host of the podcast, Songs That Don't Suck. Each week, I scour the depths of new music playlists to unearth hidden gems that defy the trends and deliver pure sonic bliss. No matter the genre, if it doesn't suck, it's on my radar. So find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. And as always, keep searching for and listening to Songs That Don't Suck. M-O-O-N, it spells peanut butter and jelly. Blue Moon. All right, gang. So last week at the tail end of our Merciful Fate episode, after we logged off, it was October 5th, and I had remarked to Rico, I said, hey, Rico, I'm super pumped up because tonight at midnight, the roger waters dark side of the moon redux gets released and i'm going to listen to it at midnight and i was super jazzed about it and then rico our intrepid uh, rock and roll journalist and all of his wisdom remarked hey you know what we should do scrap next week's autopsy and instead dive into this album and share our thoughts on it and that's what we plan on doing tonight roger waters dark side of the moon redux i've been listening to it since it came out pretty much all i've been listening to rico how you doing man welcome to hell (laughs) i'm sorry i'll read that again welcome to the rock and roll autopsy we're gonna talk about this album dude yeah i'm doing pretty good actually i'm looking forward to this um yeah, same here. Uh, since we first decided to do this, uh, I, I've been listening to exclusively. I probably listened six or seven times in the last three or four days. Um, I've hit the original once or twice also just for comparison's sake. So um, I'm kind of pumped to get into this. So um, what say you on that? You want to give this a letter rip here? Yeah, let's talk about it, man. So I guess right off the rip, um, I've been... I'm a fan of Roger Waters solo material. And I really think that this act three of his has been pretty strong and I kind of liken it to, and when I say act three, I mean, is this the life we really want the lockdown sessions? And now this dark side redux it's not act three. It's similar. It reminds me of Johnny cash where Johnny cash did some of the best, most acclaimed work of his career 
very, very late in life. Roger Waters is 80 years old now. 80. Mm -hmm. um, Get off my lawn. So I guess I'd like to just ask you, what are your thoughts on the record? Just broadly, what are your thoughts on it? Do you like it? Real simple. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Are you wishy-washy? Take, take it, leave it. Where are you at on this thing? Uh, well, to, to just to answer your question in a simple manner, I love it. I love every bit of it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You love realize you. that you and I are in the minority. It feels like, and I, I don't know what is correct out there on the internet, but man, I just read a lot of hate for this thing online, which yeah, I kind of get because I could see that it wouldn't be for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's the first time I, I put it on and, and, you know, you get the, he starts talking and speak to me and in the beginning to speak to me. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and before I even got to breathe, I'm like, yeah, there's people aren't going to like this. There's going to be plenty of people that love. And you know, the other thing, dude, I, I, I don't want to get into let's, let's, let's um, resist the temptation about talking about Roger Waters, the the person and the the opinion, the, the person who has opinions about things. Let's not talk about that tonight. I just want to talk about this album and how it relates to the first one. Of course, he he's a part of that, but I don't want to get into like you know the his his political viewpoints and whether or not he's a tool to the media or to David Gilmore. We've already gone that route, so right. I just want to lay some groundwork if we could just to just stay in our wheelhouse tonight. So, um, yeah, dude, I thought immediately the first time I listened to this, there are, and, and I've read plenty of reviews and there are plenty of people that don't like it. I think they're misguided though. Um, there's plenty of people that don't like it. Um, do you so think I, this thing is destined to kind of become like a Lulu record? Uh, which I do like, by the way, um, right. Because but do you know what I mean by that, Rico? Oh, like super yeah. divisive among fans. Absolutely, because I I think people can't get over the one of two. Th it's I think it's a couple things, and this again, just my opinion. I think a people can't get over the fact that that he is tainted like quote unquote tainted the legacy of the original album. Like the dark, the original dark side is uh, it's one of those untouchables. Right? right. And you don't, you don't mess with the original. And the fact that he even did this is like blasphemous. Right. And so I just think that there's a big chunk of people out there who think that this is blasphemy to even think about doing something like this. And then I think there's um, another group of people that don't like him as a person who are going to hold whatever he does against him because they don't like him as a person because of some of the things that he said. And, you know, we read the review of his palladium uh, performance mm. uh, the other night and, and he's a very polarizing person. He's abrasive, man. That's right. just the way that he is. And so I think there's, for those two reasons, there's going to be a big chunk of people that don't like this, which is again, in my opinion, misguided. Yeah. I think that's really well put the way you divided that up into two camps. I would even add a third category that I think, I, I think we kind of saw it with Lou Reed and Lulu. We didn't see it so much with Johnny Cash, even though he sounded really aged and sounded all of his years in those later recordings, but there's an ageism that's creeping in here. Like I see, you know, old man shits the bed is like the title of one of the YouTube reviews or like old man yells at cloud, you know, or grumpy old man. And there's like, a, there's like an ageism at work, you know? But I think that's kind of like where the beauty of the record lies. Um, for me, my take on it is I think it's absolutely stunning and how beautiful this thing is. I think it really, I don't sound like sensitive Scott here on this podcast where we're currently, you know, where we like, you know, make a living talking about Vince Neal's beer belly and, you know, this <laughs> talking about Jackie Lawless's cod piece and whatnot. But right, right. I, I got to tell you, man, it really to me is a moving, it is just an emotionally captivating and moving experience that he's, it's like you couldn't take this thing and parse it out in a Spotify playlist. It almost has to be experienced front to back 
and you have to kind of it's it's like a it's like a really engrossing audiobook in some ways it's even like a podcast in places there are elements of that but yeah. to me it's it's beautiful and it's it's sad and it's wise and it's like his 80 years add like a gravitas to it and it completely changes the meaning of some of these songs like when you take a song like time the the meaning to that is always pretty obvious and beautifully yep. written but it takes on a completely different meaning when it's sung or more accurately spoken by someone who probably is only going to be alive another 10 years if they're lucky right right and so there's like a weight to that that and maybe it's just because i'm getting older but like this stuff resonates with me in a big way you know um do you get that i i got that immediately like one of the first things i noticed um was if you uh and, and I, i'll mention this a, a little bit later but one of the first things I noticed was right at the beginning of the first track, how stripped down it was. Yeah. Everything that you said, it's stripped down. The heartbeat is softer and slower um, on purpose. All the little details, he's, he thought of everything when he did this. Um, the 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 speak to, speak to me is, it's an overture. If you listen to the first album, speak to me as an overture. Right. What if anybody doesn't know what an overture is? It's at the beginning of a performance when you put little bits and pieces of all the other songs, or or it kind of it's I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you, mm -hmm. right? And um, speak this version of speak to me is just an example of the entire album. This is an album that's spoken through the eyes of an 80 year old man who has learned some things in the last 50 years, not to take away. He's not, he's not saying that his 28 year old self was wrong in his viewpoint, but you know, like, like the, like the line in the shell Silverstein book, you know, the missing piece meets the big O, you know, corners wear off shapes change you know, edges soften a little bit. And I think that's what's happened to him over the last 50 years is he's, his viewpoints have softened a little bit. And, and from the very beginning, rather than having, and he did this a few other times too, he got rid of the instrumentals because they did, because instrumentals are like guitar solos there and nothing against david gilmore but you'll see my point here instrumentals are like guitar solos in that they're very self-indulgent look at me moments and they may have had a point in doing them in the first album and this doesn't detract from the instrumentals or the guitar solos but when he puts words to the instrumentals it delivers the message in a different way he has decided that the instrumentals aren't delivering the message that I want in the other songs in the, the, the largeness and the hugeness of the original album isn't delivering the message the way that I see it now. And right. so he's, he, there's a lots of space in here. You know, we've talked about miles Davis and playing to the space, right. Right. And, and how the space is just as important as the notes it may be more important in certain cases. It's very minimalist. There's lots of space. There's room for you to absorb each note each note has a chance to breathe and each lyric has a chance to breathe so that you can really really take it in and that's from the from fucking get out all the way through this thing i i just think it's amazing i i agree with you completely i think this is a work of a stroke of genius what he's done here and the thing is for those people who are uncomfortable with it i don't think it disrespects the original album in any way at all and I think that for me, and I've said this before on this podcast, I can't, I love Pink Floyd, but those mm -hmm. records to me are like almost like a part of my DNA. I really don't need to listen yep. to them anymore. Right. And I could never really see myself ever listening to Dark Side of the Moon again. I've heard it for 50 years. I could never see myself, oh, let's pull up money and hear that one more time. As great a song as it is. But what this has done is it's given me a way to have this record be a part of my life again because I had stopped listening to the other one. I was yeah. done with it. I've heard it mm -hmm. enough. You know, yeah. I hit that point in my life where I just put it down. I'm done with it. Right. But this gives me a new entry point for that. 
I'd like to talk if I could about a couple individual tracks. I want to talk about the Let's great. Let's do that. I want to talk about the great gig in the sky because I feel like this is one that maybe is controversial. Um, I don't want to get into an A and B thing. The original album is flawless. It's beautiful. Um, Claire Tory, is that her name? That's her name, correct. Her performance is amazing. It's legendary. All of that exists and has not been undone in any way. It's still there and you can go enjoy it if this isn't for you. But what he's done with the great gig in the sky here, where he relays this really beautiful story about his friend Don Hall, who is poet laureate. And I guess they were neighbors at some time, but you know, he was, uh, you know, he was awarded what Barack Obama gave him the, you know, national medal of the arts. He is the 14th, I think poet laureate. So this guy was uh, a big deal. Right. And Roger yep. Waters evidently was close to him. And so he's transformed the great gig in the sky, which is of course, what death it's pretty obvious. Right. But he's, he just tells a story about this person's passing and kind of like the estate sale and the moments and months after that passing and i just think it is absolutely jaw-dropping in how beautiful it is and it like listening to it and i've probably listened like you have listened to this album at least seven times or whatever since it came out maybe 10 but it puts a lump in my throat and i don't know like how there isn't much music that has that like effect on me. You know, I think right. the first time I might've saw like the Johnny cash hurt video, it put a lump in my throat, you know, but yeah, but it is such a beautiful story that he tells in that. And this record has a lot of those moments. And I think this reimagining of dark side of the moon is it's most successful when he's painting outside the lines, whenever like, that is a completely new interpretation of great gig in the sky. And I think it's one of the highlights of the record. I think the first half of the record for me is stronger than the second half. And I think that's because the second half is where he plays the songs more straight, you know, with the exception of any color you like, they're kind of close ish to the original versions, but in that's the first true. half of the record, he's really coloring outside the lines and going to yeah. town and kind of reimagining. And I think True. it's really successful. I mean, any color you like, you talking about the instrumentals now it's got lyrics and you know, it's, it works. Um, the money song, when it first came out, I think we were all taken aback by it, especially the middle section with what he did with the long instrumental middle section that we all loved with the sax solo and Gilmore. And of course, all that is gone here. It's replaced by this, you know, this Faustian bargain, right? That's this really, of, it's a really cool story. It's a really it, cool story the twist at the end where mm -hmm. you know the devil pats the suit pats his briefcase with the faustian packed inside and he smiles because the, he knows the joke of the champion's cloak is right. just a shroud in fact and that right. is so fucking brilliant man i love that i love the, the the jarring end to that that just totally is so it's amazing yeah. It makes it it makes it okay that the guitar solo is gone and that the saxophone solo is gone because he replaced it with such a brilliant little story. It, it does. And what's funny is with these stories, like I said, this is a weird combination of like yeah. like a, a stripped back acoustic jazz version of Dark Side of the Moon mixed with like an audio book like complete with like sound effects <laughs> right. and it's a weird yeah. hybrid like that but it totally works it sounds like i'm describing something horrible but it totally works do you think he made a mistake or maybe his record label made a mistake in releasing money and breathe and time as singles prior to this coming out especially uh, money is like the first single do you think that was a mistake because it's so like jarring and i think that when you hear it in the context of the record it sounds different than it did when you heard it as an individual track pre-release -re -pre single that's right and i remember when we talked about it i think yes and here's why because i personally to share my own personal experience with this when we talked about money i said 
I couldn't believe it. I was kind of pissed, actually. I'm like the five four. The the time signatures are gone. <laughs> right. the, the saxophone thing is gone. One of my favorite parts of that song is how it starts out five four and then it goes to four four, four and then four, it goes yeah. back to five four and that was gone. And then what did you do? You know, money's not by far not my favorite track on the, but it's probably the most famous song on the album. Right. And there's a lot that I like about it. I like time signatures and that one has some same changes. And I'm like, you took away the things that I like about that song. <laughs> And replaced and, it with talking and replaced it with talking. What are you doing? And this Leonard Cohen gravelly shit. What are you doing? So, yeah, I think I think I I underst- I kind of understand why he didn't want to let the cat out of the bag, because there's some other stuff that I just don't think. I think he released as singles the stuff that are people can relate to the most so that 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 it would have been easier for them to grab onto. like right. if, he, if he would have released anything from the first half of this it would have just gone way over people's heads because it's it's so to use your word so outside the lines that i just it, people at least at least with money and breathe those are way more user-friendly the way he did it he did it closer to the original than the first half and i think yes it was a mistake but no it wasn't at the same time i am i answering your question Maybe yeah not. i hear yeah yep but, yeah but I, uh I, I think yeah because because people are going to hear it and it's not and and so yeah i think yes and no Right. Like he kind of had, you kind of have to release advanced singles. And I guess looking at it, maybe the one I would have gone with is maybe time because even though it's different, I think it's, it's, it's those lyrics are so like they work with his, the aged version of Roger Waters so well that I think it might've helped people kind of get what they're in for well, a little and, more and, than, than and, money. And here's the reason why you can't release time by itself because um, because the story from on the run goes over, it's, it spills over, it spills, into the in, beginning. Yeah. It spills over to the yep. beginning of time. And so you can't release time without releasing on the run and on the run is originally an instrumental and now it's not. And so that's a big moment for him. In fact, on the run, um, I fucking love on the run, right? It's beautiful. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Because the original on the run. Okay. Here's the AB thing again. But on the original on the run is awesome. I I've never you know like a conspiracy theory. I've never met an instrumental that I don't like, and I really love on the run. But the the when he puts words and the story to on the run, now I understand what he what he what they were going for when right. they made on the run. See when it's just an instrumental, and that's why instrumentals are myopic and and self-indulgent because only the people playing the instrumental really, really know the story behind the instrumental. Other instrumentals are really only in exist exist to convey feeling. The, the the best you're ever going to get out of an instrumental is a feeling. You're never going to get the story that there that that was originally put into it. And now he's put words to on the run and now you get the sense of what it is like the birds are here, but the gun falls apart. You put your foot on the brake, but the car keeps moving forward or backwards. And then the train, that train sound right. effect was amazing. I love it. And so now it all that all, anxiety, all it's it. Yes. And it, and right. the, the, the words put it, it it's like, it's like you open the shades and the sun has come through and now I can see what you're seeing. You know what I mean? Right. But, but, going back you can't you couldn't have released time because you would have had to have released on the run also and i think that would have been a big mistake to release those two as singles just like it would have been a big mistake to release like brain damage and eclipse as singles you could never release those as singles those have to be the end of the album you know what i mean right yeah and i was really excited to hear those two eclipse especially to me yeah you know every line starts with all right and it's that to me no matter what anyone whoever like tries to philosophically analyze this album says or interprets it as that track to me has always just been about the human experience and everything that you experience whether you're given 15 years of life or 100 years of life all those things that you experience all that you touch all that you taste all that you love all you feel you know, all of that, everything that you encounter in whatever this crazy thing is we call life, it's like perfectly encapsulated in that song. The one thing that's kind of interesting is this 
album and that song references in the original and in this one but it references sid barrett right you know when mm -hmm. the band you're in starts playing different tunes and i think that a lot of pink floyd's writing in the 70s was a response to losing sid barrett to mental illness and drugs right Agreed. wish you were here shine on you crazy diamond you know certainly parts of dark side of the moon fucking the wall the wall is a compositive him and sid barrett put together so i mean that's largely there's a lot of barrett in there too but what this version of dark side in my opinion has done is it's like it's kind of removed that sid barrett thing from it this is more about i think the what would you i guess you would call roger waters the narrator in this it's more personal yeah. and it's kind of Yes. removed that sid barrett commentary of yes. and that that tie and that underpinning that was in all that floyd stuff in the 70s mm -hmm. of his loss that was like the shadow over all of their 70s material this i don't feel that in this record and i don't know people might hate this because roger waters is such a lightning rod for controversy but it feels more intimately about his human experience well, and his right. you know interpretation of it because he said he said on his website that it's about what i've learned about life in the last 50 years he even says like i had mentioned before in speak to me where he he actually inserts some lyrics from a different song from a different album right in speak to me he he tells everybody what he's gonna he, the, the point of this whole thing he says in the very beginning i'm telling you this story through the eyes of an 80 year old man so it's going to be and and the one thing of going back to eclipse it it is it's about all of that all that entire human experience and in the original the ab thing again but you kind of have to um yeah in, in the original the 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 clip at the end was um there's no dark side of the moon really matter of fact it's all dark at the end roger waters doubles down on what he says in eclipse all of the beautiful stuff that is our human experience is eclipsed by the dark side in other words there are so many amazing things in life but some a lot of the times we just can't get out of our own way right yeah yep but but scott in this version he undoes all of that because in at the sound clip at the end of this one instead of him doubling down on it and saying uh, it's all dark he says he says matter of fact it's not all dark, is it? Right. So we, so it's kind of, it's kind of. That's a big moment for him because of the original doubles down, and and we can't. We as a people are 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 the are the creators of our own demise, and we can't get out of our own way because of all the bullshit that I've laid out in this album, which I've done here through the eyes of an eighty year old. But it's not all bad. We there's still a chance for us to enjoy some of that. Yeah. before before we leave this mortal coil to use your words yeah imagine that a little bit of light from you know the prince of darkness himself roger waters <laughs> um, that's right that's so right. i i'm a i'm a guy who lurks on reddit a lot and i went into the i went into the uh, pink floyd reddit forum and someone posted does anyone actually like the dark side of the moon redux thought it'd be fun to read some quick responses here yeah can't this person this. says oh let's see let's just i don't like it i'm a music lover it's not often that i actively dislike something this album unfortunately falls into that camp for me it's total garbage it's they, trash they don't say anything other than it's garbage or trash. some some poster just it's trash it's garbage okay. this person says roger fucking loves it most amazing album in 50 years just ask him this person says some people like being kicked in the nuts. Anything is possible. Uh, I feel like if you dig audiobooks, you'll like it. But I like music. His singing puts me to sleep. I'll stay with the original. Uh, come on. And this they're, person they're, just they're says, all missing the they're all missing the point. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. This person <laughs> just says, nah. Um, this is interesting this is a post from someone who's only 27 years old and right. oh i can't wait to hear this he's his he's calling himself da lawrence on reddit yeah it's a long post i'm not going to read it all but he says 
imagine how much has happened to roger in 50 years that's what this album is about in my opinion that's how i interpret it it emphasizes the central theme of time and the ramifications of it passing by literally offering a renewed perspective 50 years later but in quite a unique way it shows the original lyrics still hold up today and the calmer more ambient like melody is sort of a reflection at what 50 years do to you it sounds a bit tired simple but somehow accomplished although not without regrets and i think it's a sentiment almost any one of us will resonate with at some point in our life well done and then he goes on to say it's not about fucking solos and guitars and instrumentals it's not about the monologues replacing parts of the original it's not about comparing 73 to 2003 or seeing which one is better neither is both albums just are that's well said well said so it takes like, like a youngest dude on the forum to talk some sense to, and all to the inject some reasons yeah can't handle it <laughs> here's the here's here's and and uh, speak to me here and i'm telling you he he tells everybody the point of this and if you aren't paying attention you're going to miss it he says it's just quick the, mem the memories of a man in his old age are the deeds of a man in his prime. Those are lyrics from a song, right? From a previous yep. song. Yep. You shuffle in the gloom of the sick room and talk to yourself as you die. Here's the important part. The next section is the important part. Life is a short, warm moment, and death is a long, cold rest. You get your chance to try in the twinkling of an eye, is how he says it, 80 years with luck or even less that he lays it right out there for you right. in other words we're not on this planet for very long and what i've learned in 50 years is that you need to there's a lot of great things about life that we're all missing if we if we don't pay attention right because we, we all get caught up in this other bullshit that gets in the way and if and and if you don't you know the life is short dude so you gotta you gotta look past all that and start enjoying some things because you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be 80 years old and you're going to miss and you're going to regret all the stuff that you had a chance to do and didn't. And he lays it all out in the first track. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's really clever too, because that song free for was on the record just before dark side of the moon. Yep, so yep. that record, that song and those lyrics on this record serve as the overture but you could also say in a way it was the overture on the record before dark side of the moon 50 years ago right mm -hmm. so and i'm sure they didn't intend that to be that way but he was smart enough to kind of look back into the past and look into that time and pluck that out of an old pink floyd record and apply it to this one and it just you're right it completely encapsulates the whole thing brilliant yeah. record i give it five out of fucking five stars and i'm not even joking i think it's genuinely artistic creative moving emotional it's it's absolutely a beautiful piece of it's it's music but it does walk the line at times it is a freaking audiobook make no mistake it does go there but it's it's absolutely stunningly beautiful it probably will be my album of the year when 2023 wraps we've only got a few more months left so someone's got to come in here and blow me away yeah I agree totally i mean the, the the vocals are gravelly and short and and maybe sometimes a little off on yep. purpose because he he's not trying to sound anything other than what he is that's exactly and right the, and the the spoken word are are placed perfectly in these songs and and what i loved one one quick thing about great gig in the sky he's got he's got that whole story all over great gig in the sky but he still honors the claritory section which i thought was awesome you are right that is you are absolutely right he doesn't just ignore that he takes her her beats her vocal inflections and it's a different interpretation of it but it completely works yeah you're right very good point i, I love how he honors he still honors that portion of it and doesn't step on it at all I, I thought that was very well done yeah beautiful record man i love it it's not going to be for everybody i think it's going to be divisive it's proven to be so already i think i mean but if you're someone like me who loves pink floyd loves dark side of the moon but had grown tired of the record because it's been 50 fucking years and i've heard it enough 
this is a completely new and creative and interesting way to experience it. It doesn't feel like I've been listening to Dark Side of the Moon for the last week. It feels like I've been listening to something different. I'm still listening to it. Um, I don't know when I'm going to put it down. I find it to be a genuinely moving piece of music. A bravo to, to Roger Waters. You know, 100%. Rick Rubin, he did the same thing. Rick Rubin did something very similar with Johnny Cash. He didn't, he let his voice be aged and weathered, and it just added gravitas to those late period cash records that everybody loved and were critically acclaimed. And I feel like Roger Waters, listen, man, as someone who's getting older, I need to see old people doing shit that matters. <laughs> I can't see old people in like nursing homes and walkers because that's my immediate future. Right. So thank you, Roger, for showing that at 80 years old, you can be thoughtful, relevant, creative. You can be controversial. You can you can have a place in this world that still resonates and affects people, whether it pisses them off or whether it whether they love you. It's it's inspiring to me to see it, people who are up there in years still doing something with their life and mattering. He's forcing people to use their brains and think a little bit, and he and he's done it in such a masterful way. And it's funny, real quick, we got a couple minutes. I went back and listened to the original one yesterday, actually, just to see, just to compare, right? right. And I tell you, and I tell you what, it didn't, it does not in any way, shape, or form detract from the original one. But here's what's cool about this. When I listen to the original now, it sounds different. Wow. It sounds like it's coming from 28-year-old guys. It's yep. so huge. And it sound, th this album is so ambitious. And it's coming from guys who are firing on all cylinders creatively and coming from guys who are really kind of feeling themselves and, right. and, are, and are giving everybody all a big F you in a good way like we're feeling ourselves and we're going to do whatever the fuck we want in this studio and we're going to pull it off and you guys are all going to like it and they did it and so the album sounds like a, a four 28 year olds that are feeling themselves and are firing on all cylinders and so the album sounds different now the original one does it just sounds different but in a good way it puts it sounds like he went out of his way to to make this from the perspective of an 80 year old but what he also did was magnify the fact that the first one was from the perspective of a 28 year old yeah. and i think he may have done that on accident or maybe on purpose but that's what happened because the first one sounds different now, but not in a, in a worse way, in a better way. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. All right, gang. Well, go check out the dark side of the moon redux Rico. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We'll be right back. People are constantly saying, you know, rocks dying. You know, every six months, somebody says it with, a, with enormous conviction. It's not going to happen. Looking for a good rock and roll book? Do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like I do? Well, that's why I started the Rock Talk Studio podcast to be the place to go for previews, reviews, and recommendations of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Every first Tuesday of the month, the Rock Talk Studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff. Give me 20 minutes and I'll get you caught up on the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle and leave you with a no doubt decision on where to spend your time and money fan or just casual fan, or maybe you're on the fence and just looking for something new to check out. Either way, I got you covered. Recently on the show, I've talked about books and documentaries from everyone and everything from David Bowie, Randy Rhodes and the Allman Brothers, to the Abbey Road Studios, Cheap Trick, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Little Richard, and more. Join me, Big Rick, every Tuesday of the month as I host the Rock Talk Studio podcast, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. M-O-O-N, that spells peanut butter and jelly. Blue Moon. 
All right, gang, let's give a very warm rock and roll autopsy welcome to Paige <laughs> Gregory, the owner and founder of Moonlit Rock Hall. Paige, good evening. Welcome to the good, show. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. I have done all the Friday night rock and roll things like dishes, walk <laughs> the dog, go pick up dinner have dinner you know it's these kind of wild and crazy friday nights that's absolutely yeah they make us the rock and roll icons that we are right either that or total frauds <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly no i did the same thing tonight went grocery shopping made dinner did dishes all that fun stuff <laughs> awesome so i really wanted to have you on tonight for a couple of reasons one was I'm seeing this moonlit rock hall on Instagram and you are proudly proclaiming that rock and roll is not dead. And I see you on there actively promoting music, promoting new bands. And on this podcast, we are way more cynical and we're always talking about how rock and roll is dead. Maybe it's just my youth that died. I don't know. <laughs> but so why don't you tell us a little bit about moonlit rock hall? Yeah, so the whole thing behind Moonlight Rock Hall is, well, first off, like one of my favorite things about going to concerts is meeting people, learning about new bands and stuff. And when you're talking and you have these discussions, it's like at nighttime, the moon is out, you're discussing all these heavy metal hard rock bands. And it's so funny because a lot of people don't know about these bands and a lot of people don't know where to find them or where to network this out the other. So I'm like, I'm going to bring this to the forefront and help these people save time and not have to do the research, put those bands out there, whether it's like through an Instagram reel, promoting their new single or a playlist on Spotify or Apple Music, you know, whichever streaming service they use. And all they have to do is just press play on that streaming service or watch like a five, 10 second, 30 second video. And like, I get it. A lot of people don't have time to go and find these bands. So if it's at the forefront on like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all they have to do is just go to that page and find those bands mm -hmm. and either look up the hashtag Moonlit Rock Hall. And it's crazy because there's so many amazing bands out there. It's just a lot of them don't know how to get like the music in front of those people that are searching for heavy metal, hard rock. And like sometimes older people are stuck in their ways. They don't want to get to know these new bands. But if you keep persuading to them saying, hey, just give these guys a chance or, you know, find some way where you can um, get them to listen to the music. So, you know, that's the whole thing behind the like, rock call is to prove to people that no, it's not dead. Here's a new generation. I love it. A couple things that you said there really resonated with me. One is the idea of standing in line, which is <laughs> when I was, listen, I'm elderly, but you're bringing back memories for me. Right, here right. Of like when I was at a concert, I can remember waiting in line for tickets, camping out for tickets, yeah, the yeah, excitement absolutely. and that you were a part of a tribe. Everybody was there because you had like this mutual shared love of rock music, right? Absolutely. So yeah. They were like instant friends. And just by waiting in line, you could talk, you'd start talking about the favorite bands you love and you'd make friends almost instantly. And to your point, that was then how news about music spread. You'd meet somebody in line and start chatting it up with them and be like, Hey, mm -hmm. did you hear this great new record? You know, did you hear, check out this band? Have you gone and see them? That's a real thing. This waiting in it line. Thing. I can remember waiting in line with, uh, there was a guitar. There was, I can't remember what store it was, but it was a music store that was going to be running a sale, some crazy ass sale. Right. And all of us got in line early in the morning and we thought, well, we'll be the first ones in the store. We didn't know. There were a hundred people in line to get into the store, but they were Absolutely. all our age. They were all there to buy a guitar. They were all into music. And before we even walked in there and spent any money, we'd made a ton of friends waiting in line, you know? Yeah, no, I actually missed that. Like, oh my goodness. Cause I remember like when I first moved to Nashville, there was Tower Records and all those big record stores. And I would wait in line for album release signings. It, for example, like Charlie Daniels, that one was awesome. There was just so many generations, like heavy metal, hard rock, bluegrass, all different genres of music because he drew from you know all walks of life in the world yep. of music. And um, I found out about so many bands. 
And like, for example, like one of the current bands, um, Knock Loose, I didn't know about them until I went and saw Seven Dust and somebody told me that they were playing at Marathon Music Works in Nashville. And I went to see that show, you know, just from word of mouth. And like word of mouth is like the biggest thing still out there till mm -hmm. this day. And like people don't realize that. They're like, oh no, it's all social media. I'm like, no, actually word of mouth. I still believe word of mouth is a big marketing thing. Right. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, and waiting under the moon. I love the name. It's very creative. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> so it feels Absolutely. like you're doing the hard work. The other, the other thing that, that struck me about what you said was you really need, and it's funny because people, people who write about music, whether they're journalists, authors, mm -hmm. uh, even on social media, you know, they kind of get knocked a little bit. Ah, oh, you're just a critic or whatever. Or people, even people <laughs> right. who podcast about music. But I think the truth is there's so much out there that you like need a curator, you know, you yeah, need somebody absolutely. to say, Hey, I've listened to this. We have the same taste. This is good. You can trust my recommendation, right? Exactly. Somebody to kind of do that work. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said earlier, like I have a Spotify playlist for Moonlight Rock Hall. And I only like add 10 songs to it like a week because I know if there were more than that, people just lose interest. So if I keep it short and simple of, hey, these are the 10 bands I want to focus on this week, more people will be intrigued. You know what I mean? Because yep. if it was overwhelming, like, you know, people would lose interest quick. Yeah, you need you need that curator. And if you know, and to me, I would rather have a shorter list because I can oh, digest yeah. it. I can Same. listen to it on my commute and I can really absorb the music, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if it's too much, I'm never going to remember the uh, <laughs> the songs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like a post I did today on Instagram stories about Spirit, Spirit Box's new song, Sellers. And um, I love the music video. And I, I was being totally honest in the post saying, hey, I love the music video, but the song is going to have to grow on me. I'm going to have to listen to it some more. And like the thing about Moonlit Rock Hall is like, we're going to be real. We're going to be honest and upfront about everything. And a lot of people just say, hey, no, we love this because... I get why they do that because they want the um, exposure and everything, but people crave honesty and the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't say you love everything because that's not true. You know, we right. all know that. Yeah, it's true. So Moonlit Rock Hall, are you taking a dig at our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here uh, 40 minutes north of where I'm sitting right now? <laughs> that's so funny. I love that um, <laughs> Rock Hall. Like, I went there like a couple years ago for one of my birthdays to see the, um, I think it was like a Beatles exhibit they had there uh -huh. or one of them. And it was just so cool. I love how it's set up. Um, I wish like the voting stuff was different, but I mean, Hey, not everything can be perfect. Right. So are you, are you, um, are you challenging it a little bit there with the name? <laughs> yeah. Like why not? Um, I think it's a fun challenge. It's good. Like I think everybody needs, you know, a little challenge in their life. Right. Agreed. Um, and rock and roll, the death of rock and roll. Is there a sentiment out there that that rock and roll isn't like as popular as it once was? And I mean, how what are your feelings on that? You know, because to yeah. me, I feel like I can remember, you know, being a kid in the I'll date myself, but being a kid in the 80s and rock and roll was like on top of the world and rock right. and roll was huge in the 90s with all the grunge right. bands. And it's felt like in the aughts, it hasn't fared as well. And it's kind of like it's still out there. My goodness, Metallica just broke a record for ticket sales out there in uh, L.A., right? So, right. I mean, selling more than Taylor Swift. So. You know, it, but it does feel like it's not as prominent as it was kind of in the culture. And I don't know that I think it's dying because when I, I mean, our show, we kind of say it in jest, but when yeah. I go to YouTube, I see kids that are like, I call them kids, but young people that are just ripping on guitar and they've got a million YouTube channels out there with these kids that are oh, just yeah. all wizards. And I'm like, well, somebody's <laughs> listening to this music, you know? Yeah, definitely. But just um, give me an idea. What are your thoughts on it? Because you seem to be kind of actively um, taking a stance against that sentiment. Absolutely. No, I see where people are coming from on both sides. I miss how rock and roll used to be real, like, just real in your face, like, just punch in the face kind of rock and roll. Um, like, I do see some of it being really sensitive 
some of the music and hard rock and heavy metal. And like, I think we need to get back to how it was back in the day. Like, just be real, just be honest up front. Like, give us something, punch us in the face. Brutal. Um, like, I love Korn's older stuff, for example. Um, like, their self-held album the other day, they just celebrated the anniversary of it. And I'm like, I miss that stuff. Yeah, I saw you posted about that. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's just not like, there are bands out there that I'm digging for right now that I'm getting ready to make Instagram reels about that are brutal and honest lyrics, not just as cheesy stuff. And I get where people are coming from. They want it. They want the real stuff. They want it, something to relate to because everybody's going through a hard time right now. Mental health is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people still listen to the Ulsa because they can relate to it. Like these singers are speaking out to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, if they're going through it and they got through it, then I can too. We need more of that stuff. You know, talking about real life situations, not just this like petty stuff. Like, just be real and upfront about it. Yeah, I really love the fact that you actively promote so many newer bands because, yeah, like I spend we do this podcast a week, and I'm always talking about records that are 40 and 50 years old. Guys, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we really <clears throat> need to um, we really need to put the focus on what newer bands are doing and make Absolutely. sure their voices are heard. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Jarris Johnson, like, I made a post about him the other day, and I know a lot of people give him flag, but um, he made a video of, like, why he's not in record label anymore and what happened and everything, and he gave these new bands an insight. And it's, I'm so glad he did that because it woke up a lot of new people that are wanting to get record labels right now because they need the help, et cetera. And I get that everybody's going through a tough time right now, but there's ways you can do it without a record label. Mm-hmm. So many different ways you can do yep. it. Um. But yeah, I appreciate artists like him speaking out about this industry right now and just being blunt about it. Like, don't be, don't hide behind the bush. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like artists. You know, I think like there's more opportunity now than there ever has been with the internet mm-hmm. for artists to get their music out there, and that's where a service oh, yeah. like like what you're providing with Moonlit Rock Hall can really yeah, help absolutely. people and raise awareness. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm super excited about Moonlit Rock Hall because. Oh my gosh, so many people are telling me to start. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait a little bit. And I'm so glad I did because I have like so many ideas I'm bringing to the table right now. And I'm just, oh, I'm just so exciting. <laughs> so let me, let me put you on a spot here before we wrap up. Um, so if there is, is there a band that comes to mind? If you had to think of like a band that you think our listeners should go check out a newer band, who is it that you can't get out of your, uh, that you're, you got in your earbuds when you're out doing your grocery shopping? Oh, yeah. Um, they're on tour with Attila right now until I wake. I'm obsessed with them. And then um, they're called what now? Until I wake? Until I wake. Yeah, they're really, really good. They're out of Brooklyn, New York. They're absolutely amazing. Um, they're a group of young guys and they're just hungry to succeed. And like I watch their videos every single day that they post on Instagram. And you can just tell that they're hungry. They want to succeed. They want to get their name out there. They want to, you know, go bigger and higher in their career, which is great. And then um, Jason Hook from Five Finger Death Punch, he just started a new band called Black Black, I think they're called. And they're on tour right now with, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look it up who they're on tour with. Just give me one second. That's okay. I want I want to make sure I get the name right. Do you know the guys from Five Finger Death Punch? Do I know the guys from Five Finger Death Punch? Yeah. Personally, no, not personally, but like I do like some of their music. Yeah, those are scary looking gentlemen. They are. <laughs> okay, so Flat Black right now is on two with Godsmack, I Prevail, Atreyu. And they're, uh, I love their music right now, like obsessed. That's <laughs> they're awesome. They're on my playlist that I listen to, and um, they just released a single called It's Your Lack of Respect and Halo. And the Halo music video was shot with a drone. Oh, and it's cool. so cool how they shot it. Like, I think they shot it on top of like a hotel or somewhere in Vegas. And it's just going through the cool, like little neon lights and everything. Right. It's really cool how they did that. Like, and that's another thing. I'm obsessed with music videos. A lot of artists don't want to do that because they cost much money. And I completely understand they are expensive. But if you do it right and market it right, like it can go far. And like, I miss MTV showing music videos, there's music video televisions. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, but a video clip is so vital to yeah. promotion on social media because you can chop it up into like Instagram reels and YouTube stories and get some real mileage out of it. And you know, oh yeah, with the technology today, I mean, it's you know, you can throw something together with an iPhone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get creative. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, these iPhones pretty much cost the same as a music video nowadays, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, that's cool. Um. So. And where can people find you and and what's coming up next for moonlit rock hall yeah so where people could find me is facebook instagram tiktok i am working on a youtube channel right now i'm work also working on a website and what's next for moonlit rock hall is just right now we're just going our social media pages and eventually we're going to go to shows and stuff and do interviews because i'm also pregnant right now and i'm like congrats my due date. thank you so much so i've had to kind of like slow down but after the baby's here and everything, like I want to get back to going shows and doing interviews and right. views and concerts. And like, I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know what I mean? Like the thing I love about it is like, there's so many cool things you can do with it. And I'm just kind of letting everything fall into place. Yeah. Um, which social channels work the best do you think for rock and roll? I kind of struggle with, I think about doing tiktok but then i think i'll be the oldest guy on tiktok and i don't know if no. they want to hear me talking about fog hat on tiktok and so like i think i gotta stay <laughs> off tiktok but but it's where everybody's at now yeah exactly so am i no, making a is... mistake am i screwing up you're the publicist no you're not screwing up i think you should join tiktok because there's people of all ages on tiktok there's no age limit tiktok's a lot of fun it's where i've discovered a lot of new bands um Facebook, especially like the Facebook rock and roll groups, like I discover a whole bunch of new bands. Like it's crazy how many bands are in those groups. Um, okay, you know, so we're not on Facebook. Am I making a huge mistake? Oh, yeah, I think you should be on Facebook. People okay. say, oh, no, Facebook's old, but now there's still like a good market on there. Yeah, for businesses. I, think, I think you're probably right. And what yeah. about what about Twitter slash X? Is it dying a slow, painful death or should I still be bothering with that? <laughs> No, honestly, like the video streaming on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days is amazing. Like I love yeah. how they um, worked on their video stuff because you can do like a full live stream on Twitter X yep. and get a whole new fan base. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Well, primarily we just do X, Twitter, whatever, and, uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. Instagram. But I tell you, we really need to be on YouTube because YouTube is yeah. huge for Google picks up the algorithm and it's huge for, so for SEO, but I just haven't had time. I need, I need a social media person <laughs> working for me. If only I could make some money at this stupid podcast, maybe I'd right. do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because I think you could almost, and I feel like a lot of younger bands it's almost like a full-time job just promoting your band. You really need, because you have to be super active on social media to promote. That's mm -hmm. where something like Moonlit Rock Hall could help some of these art. Take that, Absolutely. Take that off their plate a little bit exactly. so they can get in the rehearsal room. Yeah, and that's like our goal and stuff with everything with this project. And it's crazy because it takes like a full team to do that because making sure everything's updated with your shows, your new music. And like a lot of times too, bands only post their show dates like one time on social media. I'm like, you can't do that in today's world. You've got to be consistent. Right. Because the algorithms, all that crazy stuff nowadays, like it gets thrown to the side quick. So you yep. got to be consistent with everything. The more consistent you are, the more successful you're going to be. Yeah, I'm loving your Instagram page so far. Thank I love you. reading what you put in there under the post. It's good stuff and getting some good conversation going. I want to thank, thank you. you for coming on the podcast tonight and taking time out of your Friday night. It's Friday the 13th, so I'm certain Woo! it's October. I'm certain you're going to watch a scary movie or something. Yeah. Tonight. I know I am. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not celebrate Friday the 13th, right? <laughs> All right. Well, it's nice to finally meet you, Paige, and thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, check out Moonlit Rock Hall. Thank you so much, Scott. Have a great night. All right. Take care. Bye now. Rock and roll music. Yeah. 
Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Hey guys, it was like a mystique. There's no mystique anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like. Uh, your opinion man before you go if you like heavy metal and stories then you'll love battle of the bands the narrative form metal podcast that unpacks the biggest rivalries in rock and metal history season one took in megadeth versus metallica and season two went across the divide to explore the beef between judas priest and iron maiden it's like business wars but metal Find Battle of the Bands wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit battleofthebandspod.com.